You're listening to the Covenant Original Series, We. Unity doesn't mean conformity. It means sameness, in vision, and oneness and purpose. In today's teaching, we'll be discovering how the church that unifies under the vision of Christ becomes unstoppable. What could the church that has rallied around a common vision truly accomplish? Matthew 28, starting in verse 16, says this, Now the eleven disciples went to Galilee, to the mountain to which Jesus had directed them. And when they saw him, that's Jesus, when they saw Jesus, they worshipped him. Some still doubted. Verse 18, And Jesus came and said to them, this is key now, look at this, he says, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Go, therefore, and make disciples of all nations. Let me hear you say all. It's really crazy. When you do a word study on the word all found in here in the Greek, it actually comes back to meaning all. So yeah, it's a really deep kind of understanding of the word all. Um, Go and make disciples of all nations, all nations, baptizing all of them in the name of the Father and of the Son and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I've commanded you. Behold, I'm with you always to the end of the age. Would you join me in prayer? Father, we come before you today knowing that we cannot rightly divide your word, open it up without the Holy Spirit's working in us, Lord. And so God, I ask that your Holy Spirit would move among us, work, convict our hearts, lead us to repentance. Father, thank you for sending Jesus Christ to die for us, to rise again from the grave. Believe that. And as Jesus stated, he is the only way. No man gets to the Father unless they go through Jesus Christ. He is the door to God. We trust that. We believe that today. In Jesus' name we pray. We all said, amen. So there's a whole lot of meaning in this passage, and there's a whole lot of directions we could go with it. But for today, um, we're going to take it in a specific direction towards unity. And in fact, that's kind of what we've been talking through. And if you're taking notes this morning, which hopefully you are, the title of this teaching, the title of this installment, the sermon, is called We Stand as One. And this passage right here really has to show us the meaning of standing as one. It involves evangelism, the sharing of Christ to people. It involves discipleship, the walking along somebody in the journey of becoming more like Christ. It deals with faith. It deals with courage. It deals with authority in the preaching and living out of God's word. But oftentimes we, we, we miss in reading this passage a little piece, right? We miss a little piece. It's that we are entrusted, and here's the piece that we often miss, we as a people are entrusted with the legacy of God. Now that's a massive statement. Like I want to leave a legacy. I want to leave a good legacy, hopefully a healthy legacy. But all of us together, we get to build the legacy of God. God leaves us his legacy through Jesus Christ, aided by the power of the Holy Spirit. What is his legacy? It is his church. Jesus Christ loves his church. In fact, in Ephesians 5, we see the church compared to the bride of Christ. You say, that sounds a little strange. No, not really. Jesus is demonstrating that above all else, he has affection for his church, just like a husband should have towards his wife. You can love a lot of, a lot of people, but you best love your wife. Amen? And, and so this is what Jesus is saying. This is scripture is saying. And above all else, he loves his church. And, and it's amazing because of that, his legacy, that he leaves us the ability to build his, his church. And so it's a great honor. 
It's a great privilege. It's a great responsibility. It's a great duty that we all shoulder to build his church together. And so as we talked about last week, we want to be a church that builds his church. Amen. Would you agree? Yes. We want to be that way. And let's just kind of put this in perspective. When I'm talking about his church, what am I talking about? Well, first and foremost, I'm not just talking about covenant. We are a church. But when God looks down at earth, when he looks across earth, he's not just seeing like a bunch of random little churches. He sees his church. He sees those who believe in him, who have, who have labeled themselves, identified themselves as followers of Christ. They belong to his church. Are you agreeing with me? Yes? So denomination-wise, whatever, it's just like the idea is if you are a follower of Jesus Christ, you are a part of his church. And so as we discovered last week, we as a church within that, we want to be a church that moves in power. But we don't want to move in our own power. We want to move in God's power because that's an eternal thing. That's an eternal place to, to work from. And so we listed out a couple things. We said that if we want to be a church that moves in God's power, then we must be a church that puts Jesus at the center and not on the side. We said we must be a church that puts Jesus at the center and not on the side. We must be a church, if we want to move in God's power, we have to become a church that places uh, more value on holiness than happiness. A lot of people trying to appease a lot of people doesn't mean a, whole, a lot of holiness is going on. God is after holiness, not necessarily happiness. You're like, wait, I don't really... I don't know if I like that one. I can tell you this, I don't. <laughs> I don't necessarily like that. But the fact of the matter is, it's more important for us to be holy than it is happy. Would you agree? Yes? More important for us to be holy than happy. It's also more difficult to be holy than it is happy. And then lastly, lastly if we want to be a church that moves in God's power, we must be a church that empowers people to move instead of a church that empowers people to watch. Empowers people to move, and not just a church that empowers people to watch. Now, here's where it gets tricky, okay? Because I can say all that, we can all get behind all that, we can all like, amen, you know, whatever. But there is a difference between recognizing and doing. Any parents out there that would give me a shout out of amen, amen? If you got kids... You definitely recognize that there's a difference between knowing to do something and the actual doing of something. I can tell my children, clean your room. They can know full well how to clean said room and yet not clean the room. There is a difference between knowing and doing. And that difference, that gap, is oftentimes where we drop the ball. And we drop the ball for a number of reasons between knowing what we should do as a church and actually doing it. Maybe it's because of insecurity. Maybe it's because of fear. Maybe it's because we don't think we're needed. Maybe it's because we have different schedule or priorities. What I truly think at the end of the day, the reason that we often drop the ball between knowing to be the church and actually being the church, actually functioning in the church, is there is a lack of conviction in the calling to build his church. Quite simply put, there's a lack of conviction. Oftentimes, we believe that it is on some to build his church, but not on all to build his church. We believe that it is for maybe the religiously elite to build his church, but for the everyday modern Christian man or woman, it's not necessarily on 
us. Look, we're the ones with priorities. We're the one with schedules. We're the one with conflict. We're the ones with all this stuff. It's not on us. You're a pastor. That's your job. You're paid to do it. We take a tithe. It goes towards you, a portion of it. So do your job. And I get it. The only problem is you're wrong. <laughs> That's the only problem. Because it's not just on me to build our church. It's on you. It's on us. We are called to build this together. Why? Because we are a part of the body of Jesus Christ. Listen to me this morning. The moment that you surrendered your life to Jesus Christ is the moment that you became a body of, a part of the body of Jesus Christ. And I think the first thing that we have to understand is that we are all called to shoulder the weight of building his church together. And so really the question is this. When you drill down, really the question becomes this. What is a church? What is it? And now maybe you could say, well, it depends on who you ask. And that's probably true. You know, for some people, a church is a building that they go to where uh, some guy in a fancy suit gets up and shouts and some organs play and people shout and dance. Okay, for some people, that's a church. Okay. For other people, it's a very intimate setting and gathering where they're, they're taking communion together and, 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 and very intimate prayer time. That's a church. For other people, uh, a, a, a church is, is a place that they go where they're very familiar, where they're able to watch something and, and maybe they feel challenged and just enough to get them through the week till next Sunday. But, but if you're looking for a real definition, a foundational definition of a church, here's what it is. A church, and if you're taking notes, please write this down. The church is not a building. The church is a body. The church is not a building. The church is a body. We have to get away from this notion of church being a place that we go to and get back to an understanding of church being something that we are. I will tell you this. Churches being buildings have got us to the place where we are today, where we are trying to invite a lost world who does not know, does not care too much about Jesus into our building to experience Christ. Do you see the problem with that? Let me ask you, when is the last time somebody asked you, invited you to come and hear about a timeshare in Florida? And you're like, I don't really want to go. No, come on, trust me. It's going to be great. You're going to love it. It's, it's, we're going to a beach. And you, like, you go in, you feel awkward. You feel, do you see what I'm saying? And yet we are trying to convince a lost world to come in here and experience. No, 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 no. Church is better experienced when we function as a body. Church is better experienced when you take church with you everywhere you go. When you are church in your workplace, when you are church in your home, when you are church to your spouse, when you are church to your family, that is a better understanding. And then we gather together in a place like this and we celebrate all that God is doing throughout the week in our church. In our church. All that God is doing within our church. Church, I love how Colossians says this in chapter 1, verse 18. It says that Jesus is the head of the body, the church. Scripture itself defines the church as a body, a physical, breathing, organism, living, moving organism, not a building, a body. 1 Corinthians 12 says that we are Christ's body and individually members of it. For even as, even as the body is one, it has many members. Scripture's telling us here that 
that there are in so many ways in other places that we are organic. We are, like I said, living, breathing, and where Christ is the head and we are the rest. We are the arms. We are the legs. We are the heart. We are the chest. We are the blood. We are the fingers. We are the feet of the church. We are literally the body of Christ. And by the way, each one of us is unique. And that's a good thing. Each one of you has special talents and abilities, giftings, convictions, and that's a good thing. There needs to be a uniqueness in the body of Christ because my concern is this. When I say unity, like unity in a church, I, I, I'm, my fear is that you think like, okay, we all show up to church. We talk the same way. We look the same way. We have the same haircuts. Listen, that's not church. That's a, that's a cult. <laughs> that's, a, that's weird, when I say unity, I, 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 I don't mean conformity. I mean unity. And unity is, is, is not conformity. Unity doesn't mean conformity. It means sameness in vision and oneness in purpose. There are various talents, abilities, giftedness, points of view within a body. If not, it would be a very strange thing. It's some, it's sameness in vision and oneness in purpose. What is our vision? And that's the question. What's our vision? Well, simply put, our vision is to seek and save the lost. Why is that our vision? Well, because it was Jesus' vision. That was his vision. He says, the Son of Man came to seek and save that which was lost. What's our mission? What's our purpose, rather? Our purpose is to bring glory to God in everything that we do. Now, how you function in following out that vision and that purpose is up to you. And that's a good thing. Anything else is religion. See, religion says you have to do this a certain way. Do it this way, do it this way. Religion is kind of like Ikea in that way. Do you know what I mean? You ever bought something from Ikea and try to put it together? Good luck. It's in some language that I've never, I don't even recognize the letters. Okay? It's like Swedish. And that's what religion, religion says, do it this way, do it this way, do it this way. If you don't do it this way, exactly like this, then you are going to hell. That's not, that's not what Jesus came and taught us. Jesus came and taught us it's about relationship. Yes, is there, are there black and white issues? Of course there are. Jesus is very strong on that. When we get into the body of Christ, he created us with uniqueness. He created you to be a, a, a unique individual with talents and abilities. Do you not remember scriptures that says, like, while were you were still in your mother's womb, he knew you? That he, he fastened you together? That he knit you together while you were yet in your mother's womb? It says that he gave you passions and desires and dreams unique to you. So how come we show up to a church and sacrifice all of our dreams, desires, and uniqueness so we can become a part of this robotic religious society? Why do we do that? That's not church. That's not a church I want to be a part of. Creativity should flow from inside these walls. Culture should flow from within these walls. There used to be a day and a time when, when church when followers of Christ, where culture was driven outside the walls, think of the music, think of the art back in the Renaissance, think about these days. Politics, they flowed. All these things flowed. Culture flowed out of the church, and then we threw it out the door, and now we're trying to play catch up. No, 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 no. That is not who God has called us to be. We are all unique. And so when you function as the eyes, 
It allows me to function as the hand. Are you guys tracking with me this morning? Yes? Okay. When you function properly as the eyes, I can function as the hand. And when I function as the hand, you can over here, you can function as the fingers. When we all function together properly, the body works. It moves in the way that it's actually supposed to move and work. But as it stands, like we're all just trying to be arms sometimes. And have you ever met a person who's just all arms? No, that's even weird to think about. Have you ever met a body who is just legs? I mean, it's like, it's a freak. That doesn't even make sense. And yet that's what we're trying to do as a church. We, we all try to be the arm or we all try to be the hand or some of you are like, I gotta be the mouth. No. Like we all have different giftings and talents and abilities and when we live those out, God will use us. God will move things. God will work. Ephesians chapter four says this. And Jesus gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the shepherds and teachers to equip the saints for the work of ministry, for the building up of the body of Christ until we all attain to the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God, to mature manhood, to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ, so that we may no longer be children tossed to and fro by the waves and carried about by every wind of doctrine, by human cunning, by craftiness and deceitful schemes. Rather, speaking the truth in love, we are to, what's, those, what's the next two words? We're to what? Grow up. I love Paul's directness. Paul, the author, writing this letter to a church in Ephesus, which is why it's called Ephesians. He tells them to grow up. We are to grow up. You grow up, it's a natural thing. And when we speak the truth in love, we grow up in every way into him who is the head. Who? Jesus Christ. From whom the whole body, that's who? That's us. Joined and held together by every joint with which it is equipped. When each part is working properly, it makes the body grow and builds itself up in love. Now, there's a lot here, so let me summarize, okay? Basically, Jesus was the greatest apostle, yes? Great, greatest prophet, yes? Evangelist, shepherd, teacher. Okay, Jesus like maxes out the stats on all these things. Okay? And so then Jesus ascends to heaven. He dies, rises, rises from the grave, which is Easter. We celebrate that. And then he ascends. And when he ascends to heaven, he's like, okay, guys, I'm going to leave this with you. And everybody's like, what? Are you for real? We just like won. You just came back from the dead and you're going to leave now? He's like, yes, I'm empowering you with with." with God's legacy, to build his church. And it says that he gives these portions of himself as, as roles within the church. And they are the apostle, the prophet, the evangelist, the shepherd, and the teacher. And, and he does this so that not one person can just build a church on themselves. He does this so that we have to depend on each other. In other words, God gives us, Jesus Christ gives us these gifts, these offices, so that we have to build this together. Are, are, we, are we all on the same page? Is this making sense? Yes? Now, there's a major problem with this. We are not doing a good job. <laughs> okay? Let's just, just be honest. We're not. And I'll tell you why. We don't even know what it means to be an apostle in a church or a prophet or really an evangelist, and we're okay without a shepherd. Most people in America are fine with the church-going experience to be showing up on a Sunday, hearing somebody talk, and going home. We have eliminated all these areas and left the teacher. And you expect 
one preacher to build an entire church. And we wonder why it doesn't work. Why is it that most churches are dying? You'd be dying too if you were only functioning on 20% capacity. You would be on life support, as many churches are. Are you, are you following me? Yes? This was never the intended way. And let me just, I'm going to be really, really honest with you. I love you very much. care about you very much. At least most of you. I care about you, most of you. Um, stop asking me to build this church on my own. Stop it. I can't and I won't. You know why? I have kids. I have a wife. I love them. I want them to continue to love me. <laughs> I want to be there with my children as they grow. I want to be a part of their lives. I want to train them and speak into them. They, I'm going to say this now, I love you, but I'm going to say this. I love them more than I love you. And I do love you, most of you. But I definitely love them, most of them. I love most of them, okay? But it's not healthy for us to build a church on one person unless that person is Jesus Christ. That's it. And so it takes us all building this together. All of us. And even if I wanted to build this church on my own, I can't. It will never be the church that Jesus Christ desired for it to be. And so something has to change. And so we're going to change it. We have to activate this other 80%. The apostle, the prophet, the evangelist, the shepherd, the teacher. Okay? And so we're just quite simply going to. <laughs> I don't know what else to say. We're going to actively shape that. So I actually want to invite some men forward this morning. These are our elders. I want to introduce you to them. If our elders would come forward. And, and I'm going to read this passage because maybe you're like, what are elders? Well, I'm going to read this. In the book of Titus, chapter 1, we read scripture. It says this, appoint elders. Say elder with me. Elder. It says, appoint elders. They're to be above reproach, the husband of one wife, whose children are believers and not open to the charge of debauchery or insubordination. For a shepherd, overseer, for a shepherd as God's steward, must be above reproach. He must, be, he must not be arrogant or quick-tempered or a drunkard or violent or greedy for gain, but hospitable, a lover of good, self-controlled, upright, holy, and disciplined. He must hold firm to the trustworthy word as taught so that he may be able to give instruction and in sound doctrine and also to rebuke those who contradict it. And so Titus, he tells us through Scripture that we are to appoint as a church elders. These are to be the shepherds in our church, people that are pastors within our church, a pastoral type role of a shepherd, okay? And so I want to introduce you all to them. They're going to give you their name. They're going to tell you how long they've been around, and they're going to talk a little bit more, okay? Good, mo good morning. I'm Kevin Laffin. Uh, my wife Christy and I and our family have been here at Covenant for about four and a half years. Um, our son is a senior at Cedarville University. Uh, our daughter Jessica and her husband Darren. Um, Jessica's a teacher at Holt Crossing. Darren's a youth pastor at Northwest Bible Church. They attended here at Covenant until God called them up there. Um, our daughter Emily is uh, the uh, host pastor at Life Church in Fort Worth, Texas. Her husband Stephen is a financial analyst. Hello, I'm Brent Goldbach. My wife and I, Janelle, have been attending here for nine years. Hey, I'm David Palmer. I'm the Covenant Life Pastor here. 
Uh, I moved with my wife, Jera, from Virginia to help plant and start Covenant Church. It'll be uh, nine years ago or a little more. We have two kids, Cohen, who's five, and Kaya is three. Good morning. My name's Charlie Sutherland. Carrie and I have been attending Covenant for uh, going on five and a half years. Uh, We have three adult children, Zach, who uh, serves in the the military in Virginia with his wife, Amanda. We have Heidi um, and her husband, Ruben, are uh, living in Akron. And then we have uh, 19-year-old Chase, who attends the University of Akron. Eric Miller. um, My wife, Jamie, and I have been coming to Covenant since uh, almost the beginning, essentially uh, nine years we've been with Covenant. And uh, we have two uh, kids, Nolan and Eva. My name's Seth. My wife and I, Beth, have been here for about eight years, and we have two children as well, Lincoln and Rayan. Hey, I'm Josh Parson. Uh, my wife, Amanda, and I have been coming to Covenant for a little over four years, and I, we have two kids, Oliver and Dora. And I'm Travis. So, hang tight. So, you kind of see my positioning, right? Like here, I'm up, and I'm teaching and preaching, and then we introduce our elders, and I walk where? Where do I go? Back here. Why do I do that? It's intentional because an elder team uh, in a church, when we get together and we sit around a table and we talk, we are a room of equals. This is very important for you to understand. Part of the reason scripture lays out these qualifications is because we don't want this church to be built on one individual. Okay? We don't want that. I tend to have a strong personality. It would be very easy for me to yell and shout and lead and never have elders, but that is not biblical whatsoever. And so we gather together and we pray about matters of, of finances. We, we talk about things of, of theology. We talk through things of church discipline and, and maybe issues that are happening or could be, and we handle those things. We make major decisions as it involves our church and how it works in every day and in the future. Does this make sense? And so when we gather together, even though I am the pastor of this church, I am an equal elder with these men. Okay? And this is how a church functions. This is how a church is properly to function. So I thought we could do something cool today. I want our pastoral staff, Pastor David, Pastor Seth, and I want us as a church to kind of commission our elders today. And so they're going to kind of huddle up here and we're going to lay hands on them and pray. I'm going to ask if you could, as a body of Christ, if you would just stand to your feet and maybe outstretch your hands and just pray with us as we pray over them. And let's, uh, let's, let's commission these men together for our church. Join with me in prayer. Lord, thank you so much for these men. God, for Kevin, Brent, Charlie, Eric, Josh, Pastor Travis, Pastor Seth, the men that you've brought um, who have qualified, uh, Lord, who are qualified by the way that they have uh, demonstrated their allegiance to you, their commitment to your word, God, um, the families that they have led and the lives that they've lived. Lord, I just, I thank you for the support that they've provided um, for us as a staff, Lord, for me and Jera personally. God, I thank you for their friendship, for their, their leadership, God, as they counsel me and uh, give me advice as well. Father, I just pray for them today as we commission them as elders. I pray, uh, God, that you would empower them, empower them to serve in this capacity, to really shepherd people, God, to uh, represent um, what, what they believe you're telling them to do. Lord, I pray that our church will be, get, 
begin to see them and get to know them as their elders, God, that they can bring issues and problems and questions and prayers. And, and these men up here will, will help, Lord. They will do whatever they can in their power to serve them and love them well. I thank you for the way that you design things so that it's not all on one person. God, that's too, too heavy of a weight to bear. Um, Jesus, we know that you are the head and it's a privilege to serve. And God, it's a privilege to serve alongside these men. We thank you for their willingness to step up and serve and to take on that accountability. We pray that you would bless them, Lord, and uh, I pray that they would be successful and helpful in this role. Heavenly Father, as we continue in prayer, God, you are just so good to us to bring together um, just a great group of men that you have, have called to lead this, uh, this body, this, this portion of your church here in Grove City. God, we thank you for the opportunity that it is to serve your kingdom. I know that no, uh, no man standing here enters into this calling lightly. Um, this is uh, a heavy weight, a heavy burden. Um, but God, just as we've already heard, the only single person that the church should be built on is Jesus Christ. It's not about any other man but Jesus Christ. And you have given us an opportunity to um, share the burden, share the role of leading and loving your church, making decisions and doing the different things that arise out of conducting business and just doing the things that we do. I pray, God, that you would grant us wisdom, strength, unity, I know, God, that you are doing something great here because of the great men that you have called together. To call, you've called them together here to be a strong foundation, I believe, for what is coming in the future. I prayed this first service, God, we, we don't want to just be a church for us today. We want to be a church that we can pass on to our children and them to their children. We want this to be a place where ministry is continued as long as you let us walk this earth. God, thank you for your goodness and calling us and giving us an opportunity to be a part of your story here and what you're doing. Your love for us, your inclusion of us is not, uh, is not fair. It doesn't make sense, but you, you do it anyway. You love us anyway. You include us anyway in the midst of our imperfections. God, we just ask for strength. We ask again for unity. We ask that you would move in a mighty way through these men, and not just through these men, but through our church, through this portion of the body that you've given us as we enact the ministries you've called us to uh, here in this world. Thank you for your goodness. It's in Christ's name we pray this. Amen. Hey, we give a hand for our elders as they find their seats this morning. You guys can have a seat. And just like that, we activate another section of our church. Thanks for listening to this message from Covenant Church. For more information on our ministries or to hear more messages just like this, visit us at covenantchurch.us.